Konbawa. Hi, everybody. I am Jack. I just wanted to take a minute to introduce Terrorist Out. So Terrorist Out is a podcast about a show about six strangers living together, and we observe how they interact. All that they've prepared is a beautiful home and automobiles. And all that we've prepared is a couple of microphones, opinionated friends, and an hour of our time. There's absolutely no script at all. We are watching and reviewing, and we absolutely hope you love the show, follow along, and enjoy. I'm Michelle. And I'm Caitlin. And we're ready to get terrorist out. Terrorist out. Terrorist out. Yeah, yeah terrorist out. Yeah. That's where we are. <laughs> We've already been talking for 20 minutes. Noted. <laughs> we just had to note that to like let Jack know like where to cut in. <laughs> we're like, how long have we been talking? Oh, wow, 20 minutes. Now we're ready to talk about terrorist out. Yeah. Like, this is what we were talking about last week when we were like, oh, crap, we should start recording. Like, yeah, <laughs> at least we started recording this time. But like, we were like, oh, wait, we should make a note of how long we've been talking since we pressed record. Because, oops. Yeah, it's one of those days again. I just feel like it's always one of those days now. Like, this yeah. is just how it is because quarantine. Yeah, you know? it's just, yeah, it's just one of those days. It's one of those times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't have much of a better explanation. <laughs> Last week, we had Corey's art show. Yeah. Yeah, huge crowd. Huge success. Be proud of her. So proud. Badass. I loved yeah. all her art obsessed i want a cory piece i what i really want though is like i've been wanting i haven't mentioned this on the on this show yet even though i've been wanting to every episode and i get so mad at myself for not bringing it up but her t-shirt her merch shirt that she wears Mm -hmm. with the ghost dog that Mm -hmm. dog that's her her merch like that dog she has of the ghost the dog in the ghost sheet like wearing the ghost mm-hmm. costume. I'm obsessed with that shirt. I want one so bad. Does she sell it? I think it's sold out. Like, of course it is. I remember looking into it in the beginning, like to see if she had any or if she was selling any. And I'm pretty sure they sold out. I really want one. I've, I keep like meaning to like look to see if she's ever doing another run of them. Yeah, I want one. I would buy one of those so fast. It would be great if she did one of those as like a fundraiser because she would probably raise a lot of money for mm-hmm. something. It's kind of like. Oh, they'd be so popular. Yeah, like Lauren Tsai, like for her art book, uh, her sketchbook, she donated a portion of the proceeds to, I can't remember the name of the foundation. It's in Hawaiian, but I think it's called like Napole. I can't remember. It starts with not something, but it's an organization that helps and it's like an anti-human trafficking to protect women and girls in Hawaii. And it's so amazing that she like donated, she like raised money and donated a portion of her proceeds to that. Yeah, that's really kind. I think it was like all the money that like all anything minus cost got sent to that, I think. And yeah, it was pretty amazing. Those books sold out pretty fast too. I have an extra. That's really sweet. 
sketchbook that I got and I was like I'll probably do a giveaway of this for like something in the future and then I was like assuming for the podcast but at the time like I we hadn't started yet and like the podcast was still kind of like a vague idea in my head Mm -hmm. of like something I wanted to like yeah try to make happen so I was just like I don't know I'm gonna like order it I found it the other day because I was cleaning and I was like oh this would be a great like giveaway like this is it now the podcast is in fruition. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> so then we have Corey talking about her contact with Hermes and like she's just in such a good mood now. And then we had the stage combat acting workshop with Shohei, Haruka, and Ruka. And Shohei and Ruka did a really good job, but Ruka was still kind of like very amateur, shy, and couldn't stop smiling. And it was just like really uncomfortable and. Yeah, wasn't really committing to his character. Mm-hmm. And Shohei and Ruka kind of, like, discussed the acting workshop. And Shohei had, like, a very weird interpretation of, like, the girls saying that he thinks that the girls assume that they can't be into family just because they're boys and they have to be working. But, like, the girls, like, aren't really into family at all. And they're more focused on career, which is just, like, awkward. Then we had Yusuke and Evian, and they had a little bit of a convo, which was, like, out of the blue, unexpected, because Caitlin thought that (laughs) they were done already with the (laughs) Yusuke storyline. But, no, they were not done. And it just keeps continuing. Mm -hmm. It is continuing. And, basically, Yusuke is still considering going to the fireworks festival with Ruka, even though Evian thinks it's a bad idea if it might lead to disappointment. But Yusuke says he would like some closure and if you listen to last week's episode you will know that we inserted a very painful clip (laughs) from 500 days of summer because that whole exchange kind of really reminded me of one of the central kind of like themes of that movie where you know it's kind of about like two people it's a story about love but it's not necessarily a love story it's like it's it's what happens when one person is a little bit more interested in the other person then that person is interested in you and they tell you off the bat but because it's colored through your lens you read it or interpret it in a different way and Mm -hmm. it can end up leading to heartbreak if you don't end up actually listening to what the person has to say like their words and sometimes falling in love with the idea of a person so it was just it was heartbreaking and heart-wrenching and but it's happened to all of us at one point or another and it's just you know I think it's just that part of yourself that you know wants to believe in a certain idea that like sometimes you think that something is right but it's just because you want it to be and you might not necessarily be looking at all the signs and that's Mm -hmm. sometimes because you're too young to know that there's different types of love and sometimes if you tend to be very exposed to a certain type of love you might think that that's the only type that is around so Mm -hmm. that's kind of where that storyline is going then we met the new cast members emika and pepe and we got their first kind of uh, we got a first taste of both of them with emika everyone's very shy she's very cute and she kind of told us a little bit about her background with dating that she tends to date older guys and she's looking for love in the house and the boys are very like shy around her specifically ruka and a little bit shohei so bashful ruka gets so so bashful so bashful (laughs) it's kind of ridiculous (laughs) and then pepe darling pepe 
who entered the house with his shoes on. A very adorable foreigner's mistake. <laughs> who was born and raised in Italy, but moved to Japan four and a half years ago to pursue his career dream of becoming a manga artist. And his series is coming out soon that's loosely based on his life on the monthly Big Comic Spirits, which is a monthly manga comic anthology. And... Series Omnibus Anthology, which is the word Caitlin and I were looking for last week. Anthology, anthology, anthology. Total brain fart. Which, like, I finally, like, so we submitted the episode for for stream, and right after we submitted was when I listened to that end part for the first time because I was looking for all of our inserts and, like, pulling all of this stuff. And I was just like, oh, anthology, Jackie. And I was like, damn it. That's what it was. It was too late to insert it. It still didn't come to me until no. you said something. Mm-mm. And I was like, yeah. oh, my God. Yeah, at this point, it was like way too late. And I was just like, yeah. you know what? It's fine. And then I listened to the first episode of My Favorite Murder this week. For the first time, I, I don't think I, I, I've listened to episodes of My Favorite Murder before, and I really, really love it. Actually, listening to the first episode, I love it so much. But have you ever listened to it? Mm-mm. I've never Caitlin, listened to it. Oh, my God. It's so great. It's like true crime. But basically, every week, the two podcasters talk about their favorite murders. They're both, like, very anxious <laughs> people. And they talk <laughs> about how, like, they became obsessed with murder because murder stories and true crime because they're anxious, so they like to know, like, all the ways that they need to be careful so they don't get murdered. Oh, my God. And I was like, actually, that's the reason why I'm ever interested in anything murder-related. Like, I oh. like true crime stuff, too. And, like, mm-hmm. specifically, like, I like criminal minds and I like house. Well, house isn't technically super criminal, but, like, you know, like, I don't like scary things yeah. t- technically, but I like, like, Mind Hunter. I like, like, psychological personality disorder stuff. Like, I'm fascinated uh-huh. by personality disorders, which a lot of people, like, it's, I think it's kind of similar to, like, the murder thing where a lot of people think, like, when I'm like, oh, I'm fascinated by personality disorders. I'm like, what? And I'm like, I think they're fascinating. Like, I don't know why. It's interesting to learn about these things, though, right? I don't know. It is to me because it's like, I want to know how different minds work. Like, it's curious to me. Like, I, because to me, it's like, I don't understand how anyone's brain could ever do, like, think something, like, that way. Like, it's, it's. I don't know. I just want to know. It's hard to fathom. And so. Exactly. It, just, it becomes really interesting. I agree. I, I feel the same. I think it's something that everyone is curious. And I mean, it, I think to some degree, personality and like what makes someone different from different people and what makes someone who they are, what makes someone interesting to you or funny to you or someone that is not interesting to you. Like that, mm-hmm. that fascinates me. I think it's like. Yeah. I don't know. It's so curious. I think it's such a it's so because it's not something that you can see and it's not something that can be really explained. It's just it's so complex. And that's why it's so interesting. And I think a lot of people are interested in in personality. I mean, that's why I think personality tests are so popular. I mean, even with astrology or, you know, the Myers-Briggs like ENFP stuff or your Enneagram or your Hogwarts house. People like that in 
sight, you know, like to someone. Like you meet someone, you're like, oh, I'm Hufflepuff. And you're like, whoa, what? I'm a Ravenclaw. And you start having a discussion. Like mm-hmm. it almost feels like an insight into that person and like exactly how they are without necessarily knowing them that well. Which is kind of weird to think about. Yeah, that's why one of the first things I like asking people when I first meet them is like, oh, like, have you like read or like listened to or watched anything super interesting lately or something Mm -hmm. that's what's something that you've recently enjoyed or enjoyed? Yeah, basically. And then it kind of gives me it's like a way to kind of gauge. It's like a personality test, but something that's accessible Mm -hmm. because I feel like it's low key. It's like low pressure, low stakes. And everyone watches or reads or like something. And how they answer the question also really gives you insight into what type of person they are, like, I think. And it really gives me a good gauge to see like what kind of person they are, what interests them. Like if they are like, oh, I don't have time to do that. Like how do they respond to not not having anything interesting to share or, like, they did watch a lot of stuff, but they didn't find something interesting. I mean, it's just, like, there's so much to go off of. Mm-hmm. But, like, I like asking that question, too, because that's something that I find interesting. That is something that I that I think I can relate to someone on. Mm-hmm. So it's, like, and I think that if someone doesn't like talking about those things, then they won't enjoy talking to me because... Those are things I talk about a lot. So, I mean, it's just the nature of, like, who I am as a person as well. So I feel like it also gives them insight kind of a little bit into, like, who I am as a person and, like, what. Because it gives, like, conversation starters and, like, things to connect over. Right. Like, an easy thing to connect over. You know, you watch the same show. I prefer it than, like, like the same blah, blah, blah. Than just, like, oh, well, like, how are you? What's up? Like, it's just, like, I'm so crappy at small talk like I'm really not good at it like and I'm not really good at flattery too because I'm just like so embarrassed like I feel embarrassing and like I also feel like I also feel like uncomfortable like being like you're so attractive all the time like (laughs) I don't know because I feel like is it too pushy like am I objectifying you like I feel like I don't know maybe I get really I don't know if it's just, like, if you're used to being objectified, like, it's hard for you to objectify other people. Like, I just feel really uncomfortable. Like, I'm just like, can I objectify? I I just, I feel like I should ask first, and then, but then that makes it not sexy. Wait, what do you ask? You ask if I can objectify? (laughs) Like, it's just like, can I object? Like, can you, like, it's just, I feel like it would be like, can I, I feel like the proper thing would be like, can I objectify you? But then it's just like... That's so random. Like, hey, can yeah. I objectify you? Like, it's like watching those shows where they have to sign a consent form. Like, have you seen... Did you watch um, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt? No, I, ha- I actually haven't watched oh. that. There's, like, this scene, which is so funny, where, like, th- she goes to college. She's a bunker girl. So, like, basically, she was she was kidnapped by a man and, like, raised in a bunker by, like, this, like, cultish dude and then she like escapes at a certain point and then so and she and she integrates into into society and like but she was already an adult at this point so she's learning like basic things at an adult age so then she goes to college and then she meets this boy and they like want to hook up or whatever at this party and then he but it's like it's one of those like progressive I think I can't remember what school she goes to Princeton? Brown? I can't remember. One of those schools. Columbia? Columbia, I think. 
I don't remember. Anyway, so she's, like, they sign this, like, consent form, and it's, like, they have to, like, before they even kiss, and there's, like, all of this stuff, and she's just, like, dude, I just want to kiss you. Like, I don't want to talk about all this sex stuff. (laughs) And it's just, like, it's so, it makes, it takes all of, like, the the excitement out of the whole yeah because it adds a lot more to it situation i don't know it's just it's so awkward because like i get it like you have to be able to read the situation but i'm also like really bad at that like especially like online like if you're like talking to someone online and you like you're just like oh i I don't know if i can talk about like the fact that i'm always horny all the time (laughs) in quarantine like I, I don't know if it's appropriate like I don't know how well I know you yet yeah when you haven't quite had that vibe yet so like I don't know if I want to talk about that yet like can I talk about that I don't know because like with some people I feel like I, I feel like this is totally not even we're still in recap mode I'm sorry this is just so this is something that though that I like want to just like drop and then we'll we'll talk about Okay. We'll talk about it quickly and then we'll move on. So, like, there's something where, like, some people, I don't understand why, but with some people it's so easy to, like, transition into that conversation where it's, like, romantic or, like, flirty or, like, I don't know, that that way. Mm -hmm. But I'm really bad at doing it myself. I don't know what it is. I don't even bad at doing it myself, but, like... I don't know, like, I'm not good at balancing it, like, to me, it's, like, extreme, like, if I go there, I'm just, like, okay, I'm gonna go, like, real hard into, like, I'm gonna lean into the sexual thing hard, because, like, I don't know how to do that, because I'm, like, really bad at it, so I'm just, like, all right, I'm just gonna, like, try, and then I just try to go, like, writer-wise, I, like, try to experiment with, like, how, like, how to word it, how to put it, how romance novel I can get, (laughs) how romance writer I can get because I I mean I read a lot of Harlequin so like I can I can be dirty and I'm a writer and like I can do that but then I'm like oh like I get so embarrassed I send it and then I like throw my phone and I'm like what am I doing and then you're like was that too much she like instant regrets as soon as you push send what am I doing and then I just get embarrassed and then I'm just like, I'm not going to talk about sex or anything sexy on the phone <laughs> ever again. Because <laughs> I feel so embarrassed. Anyway, moving on. And that's last week. So let's get to this <laughs> week. The strangest string of tangents. <laughs> that was the strangest recap ever. Okay, let's move on. This is what happens when we've been in quarantine this long. <laughs> And we become these, like, intense versions of ourselves. Where... Yeah, our brains are just, like, fried. Yeah, I'm be- I feel like my quirkiness has been magnified very, <laughs> very, very largely. And I feel like whoever does find me now as a single person, and if you are in any shape or form attracted to me in any way in this state, then, like, I think... I don't know, like, that person (laughs) is, like, a good, like, is, like, a good prospect for me. I can't wait to hang out with you post-quarantine. I am literally crazy right now. I'm a crazy person. Oh, my God. So, we're going to start with Pepe, Pepe. our our darling Pepe. Our love. Our love, yes. So, Pepe, we see Pepe at his, at his apprentice job for manga artist Nishikeko, and here we hear him talk a little bit about his background and what made him want to pursue a career as a manga artist at the young, ripe old age of 16. 
<laughs> in Italy as a little Italian boy, a young Italian, young adult. He had his dreams. Look at him. He had his dreams. He's pursuing. I mean, it's so inspiring. It's incredible. Like, if you think about it, like, he's 16. He doesn't speak Japanese. And then he's like, I'm going to be a manga artist. And then he goes to Japan. He decides to start practicing by copying and tracing. And he talks about how he, they, she said, like, why manga? And he said he just really simply wanted to make people laugh. And he, when he was young, he kind of read, and he, when he read manga, he was, he realized, oh, I can make as, he he wanted to figure out something that would make the most, most people laugh. And he figured, oh, I can do that using manga. So he decided to write his own manga and he gave it around Mm -hmm. to his friends. He made one and showed around to his friends and his friends laughed reading his manga. And he said he could never forget the feeling of making his friends laugh with something that he created. Yeah, it's not easy to be a foreigner and be in that line of work. And so he decided in that moment that that's what he wanted to do for the rest of his life, even though it might be hard because no one in Italy has ever done what he's trying to do, especially in manga writing because mm-hmm. it's so competitive and it's hard enough, you know, as uh, a Japanese first language writer to get a series column on a publication like Big Monthly Comic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, well, monthly become experience, and and as a first time foreign writer, I mean that's a huge, huge deal. And a lot of th- and and if you're listening as as I do to the show with audio commentary on, you can hear the panelists. And we'll probably insert a clip right here of the com mm-hmm. of the panelists kind of basically reacting to just how how much of how huge of a deal this is, and you can kind of hear yeah. from people in the industry and how they react how big of a deal this is to people in Japan for Pepe to have this. So yeah. we'll put that in right now. Yeah. So as you can hear, like, this is a huge deal. And yeah, like, it's it's really impressive just to just mm-hmm. hear also, like, you know, he he's 26 now. So it's been 10 years of just and he's not traditionally trained. So he basically just copied a bunch of people that he admired, which he kind of describes a little bit later when he comes home from work. And he, Shohei is there and he kind of gives him his dinner that his manga artist uh, boss. Yeah, that's so sweet and personable. Yeah, I love that. Provides and makes for them. You kind of get to see like her homemade lunches she makes for her assistants. And they're so amazing. Like, can you imagine having a boss like that? Yeah. That's amazing. And she always gives her like a little, gives her apprentices like a little apple or something. Like they work really hard and those hours are not easy. But like, mm-hmm. and like the fact that she, like she works harder than anyone. But the fact that she is doing that and making lunch. And that's a lot of food mm-hmm. too. And there's like lots of different small, what is it, dishes and one plate. Mm-hmm. It's not just like, 
you know, straight one thing. It's like five different things that she probably had to cook separately and put all together in one like bento box, which is so thoughtful and cute. Mm-hmm. It's kind of taking care. And it warms my heart like to see that like, but that's kind of like the mom, like the Japanese mom type that I grew up with. Like my mom's like that type of person. So it is really like, yeah, like my aunts are like that too. So it's like lots of Japanese ladies are like that. And it's just really nice to see, like, to be able to, just, to kind of showcase that part of Japanese culture to the world. And so basically, uh, at this point, Kari comes downstairs and she shows Shohei the illustration she drew for his column from their outing to Shibamata in episode eight. And she and Pepe kind of discuss art as Shohei reads a storyboard draft of Pepe's comic. And so basically, Kaori kind of asks Pepe if he's working, and she's like, mm-hmm. yeah, and then she, he asks her if she's working and, and what she's working on, and so they kind of, like, show the little illustration, and the illustration mm-hmm. is so cute. It's the statue of Torasang mm-hmm. with Shohei, like, poking out the side. It's so freaking cute. I thought it was adorable. It's perfect for, like that magazine that he's writing for Mm -hmm. and then we kind of get to see Pepe share his draft and like he gets to kind of we get to see his art for the first time which okay before we get to that then we like we hear like Kaori kind of talk about what what, no let's do a reaction to the art first I guess and then we'll talk about like his training which we kind Mm -hmm. of already talked about but the art what were your reactions to his art oh I loved it while I haven't read a lot of manga, you know, there's just kind of a similar look and feel. And I feel like if you were looking at it, you would maybe not necessarily know that he was not Japanese. Italian? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel like his style. So they talk a lot about, he talks a little bit about his influences. And I think he said it was Matsumoto Taiyo, which he's a very... So Matsumoto Taiyo is one of the huge manga artists in Japan. And he basically is very well known for working for the one of the big big publishers, the big monthly publishers, the for seinen manga, which is it's like in Japan they have seinen and shoujo, which is young adult male manga and young adult female manga. So it's kind of like separated into like different categories. Mm-hmm. So it's like male fiction, female fiction in Japan. I mean. At least in Japan, they designate it with male fiction versus female fiction, whereas in the States, it's fiction and and female fiction <laughs> or women's fiction, which is kind of annoying. But, I mean, still, it's very gendered. I think that it shouldn't matter, but that's just the genre or the category. Mm-hmm. So it's young adult male manga magazine. And he wrote popular mangas called Tekonkin Kurito and Ping Pong and Number 5 and 100... And, I don't know, all these other popular mangas. Oh, my God. People who like him are going to be so offended by (laughs) what I just said. (laughs) Anyway, but I also feel like it's very, like, if you don't know who Matsumoto Taiyo is, then if you've read something like Slam Dunk, which is a very popular Japanese manga, or, like, One Piece or something like that, you'll kind of see the very intricate, like that's that the way that he draws is very categorically the not like the style, but that is kind of like the very detailed, full little what are they called? Like each little frame, a frame, I guess, like each mm-hmm. frame is very full, like it's very detailed and drawn in. 
And that style is very indicative of the young adult male manga style of manga drawing and and stuff. It's very Japanese. Like even the commentators were talking when there's a portion of the show where he's where Pepe is. I think he's drafting a drawing of a girl and you see it's like a rough draft. And the audio commentator, like Yamachan, I think specifically, were, were all, they were all speaking on how his drawing style is very Japanese. Mm-hmm. And like him drawing it gives them a sense of like Higa, which is very like like the, it's the, Dan- the, not the, I don't know if it's the Danish word, but it's that word for comfort or cozy. Okay. It's like gives you a very cozy feeling. Mm-hmm. And it, it it's a very like Japanese like coziness mm-hmm. like there's a Japanese coziness to his drawing style that gives them this kind of like comfort almost that's like oh like it's so familiar yeah, like this. that's kind of how they feel yeah and it's just that's kind of his style and it, it it's really cool like to see like how detailed his Japanese is too like because if you're reading it a little bit if you pause the frames and are annoying like me and you read a little bit of what he's writing it's very intricate and detailed and not just some like oh some foreigner who came to japan like his japanese is pretty Mm -hmm. damn good like and it's very impressive knowing that this is a man who isn't traditionally trained in that way and that's something that he and Corey talk about and so Corey asks him if he where he trained and if he's traditionally trained and she says no i just learned myself like i taught myself i'm self-taught i just copied people and practice and practice and practiced mm-hmm. and then she asks him like and then he says I finally figured out that's what oh that's what I want to say I finally figured out but I think I finally figured out my actual mm-hmm. style like my signature style that's the question I wanted to do with this segment I guess and she says how do you think I can find one and he said like she says how long did it take you and then he says 10 years which also reminds me of this quote that uh, I think, I don't know, like recently I was, I, I've heard it many times before, but most recently I, it was brought back to my attention when Bradley Cooper was giving all these interviews about learning the guitar and music and singing for A Star Is Born. Mm-hmm. And he shared that he read somewhere that um, in order to become an expert at something, you have to practice for 10,000 hours and then you can become an expert. And so he said he just kind of like internalized that and just practice, 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 mm-hmm. practice, practice. And then by 10,000 hour mark, it got to that point where, you know, it was like breathing mm-hmm. and it was kind of like that. And it makes sense to me, like what he says, like, and I feel like that's kind of it really remi- like this whole conversation really reminded me of of Bradley Cooper saying that and also I read multiple times and I know that fact as a fact is like I can't remember who the first person was to say it but it is it's this thing where it's just like I think it was in a magazine or in a book I think it's like the five hour not the five hour body but it's like the highly efficient people or like one of those books where it's like the four four hour work week or something where it's like in order to become an expert at something you have to do it for 10,000 hours and so I think that this is like I guess I don't know what I wanted the question to be but I think I wrote it in a text to you and I was like we should talk about this I don't think it was like a question. It was more like a discussion about like personal style and developing that. Yeah, I think it's about like, oh, because, yeah, it's like finding your personal style. I think personally, this is something like, has that ever been something that you have have been like thinking about? Like, I mean, as someone. Oh, always. You know, because as someone who 
is in social media and does YouTube and booktube and you know just stuff where a lot of people have a tendency to be reading the same stuff or watching mm-hmm. the same stuff and I think even just us also as podcast creators who you know there are other amazing Terrace House podcasts that are also out there and you want to make sure like you're doing a good job but you're also not copying other people or mm-hmm. you know that you have your own flavor and yep. you have your own style and I feel like this is something that we all kind of wrestle with because of the imposter syndrome as well. Mm-hmm. But it is, it's like one of the, those things too. I think it's just something that you always want to ask people because I feel like personal style is something that, I don't know, it's so, I, it's just something that I feel like we all strive to find, I guess, yeah. like our own. Because that's the thing is like, it just kind of happens. Like I've, yeah, I've struggled it. with that for so, so much. And like, you can't force. You really can't. Coming up with a personal style. Mm-mm. Like once you find something that fits you and something that other people, like it's a lot of it is like what other people kind of see from your style. Right. Yeah. You know, your personal style may not be something that you even find yourself. Like I've noticed that for me, at least in my work. Right. It's been something a lot of people are like, oh, I like how you do this or how you do that. And I'm like, oh, like that is, mm. you know, my personal style and may not even realized it. Yeah, I think yeah. I was there where I, I think I was at that place where I was like, I didn't even realize what my style was. And, but like, I think I was trying personally to, I tried a lot of things like, and mm-hmm. I, I experimented with a lot of different styles yeah. just to see like what I liked the most. Yep. I feel like that's how I found my style. Cause I literally, I, cause yeah. I was the same way. I was just like, oh, I don't have like a personal style style. Like I have ta- like a certain type of taste that I like and I think that it changes from season to season I don't think that Mm -hmm. my taste is always the same I think it's always evolving and based on more things that I ingest and more things that I see and more things that I participate in or learn about or get inspired by and Obviously, yeah, like external influences are definitely an influence. Like, honestly, I think that I've really grown into myself in the last year or so. And even like last summer, I feel like is the first time I've ever really kind of figured out. I think I've finally become closer to who I really am, like fully, Mm -hmm. like not pretending not like pretending but like it kind of comes it it kind of goes I don't I'm getting ahead of myself but it kind of goes into like what Corey is saying like later on in the episode when she talks about like with Shohei about how she's like being too closed off or too much of a goody Mm -hmm. two shoes or like masking her emotions and she says like I try to I do try to be honest but only insofar as I don't hurt anyone's feelings and I feel like I live my life like that all the time. And I think it's a very Japanese thing. I don't think it's necessarily only a Japanese thing, but I think it's a very female and I think it's a very female like career person. And I think it's also very Japanese to be. Mm-hmm. And it's, I think it's also very cancer, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I definitely related to. Because you definitely relate and I relate yeah. because I, I'm a cancer. So I relate. Yeah. Like, I just, I feel like I felt that way about like, all things in life not just work and I think in this last year like when I was in London last year like that was the beginning Mm -hmm. of like everything changing for me and like since I came back and then I went back and then everything everything that happened to me that month in London 
that month in London really changed everything for me. Mm-hmm. I think it really gave me insight into my life. It made me, it helped me understand my parents a lot more individually mm-hmm. and together. It was like the first time I like, I, I, cause so what happened was I went to London. I'm like talking about it. Like as if you guys know, listeners, <laughs> Caitlin knows cause she's my friend. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And she's known what I did last year. So last year I like to go on these like writing pilgrimages with the people who organize the producers and the co-hosts of the po- amazing podcast, Harry Potter and the Sacred Text, which I highly recommend. It's run by these two incredible uh, Harvard Divinity School grad school graduates. One is a, I think he does like Christian stuff or like does spiritual work. And the other one is an atheist. And she's currently writing a book about Jane Eyre and reading Jane Eyre as sacred and I actually so this trip that we went on in June was to Yorkshire and it was the Jane Eyre writing and reading pilgrimage and we went to Yorkshire and we got to we were reading Jane Eyre so we read it read it before we went there and we got to see the house that Charlotte Bronte grew up in was raised in we went to the church that she was married in and that she you know we we studied Jane Eyre in that church like it is incredible like we went to see where they were buried we went to Sylvia Plath's grave we hiked like every day we hiked a couple miles then it culminated to this 10 mile hike across the moors where we walked by the manor that Wuthering Heights is based off of and it's like it was the most incredible trip. Like, it, it changed my life, like, honestly. And that was, like, the first time I hiked that much since I had my car accident in 2015 and I had to have spinal surgery. And I basically had to regrow my L3, L4, and L5 lumbar discs from scratch and for, t- for two years. And back then, there was a point where my back would not, like, fully <laughs> stand straight. Mm-hmm. For a solid like two to four months, my back was always at like the like an eighty de- like an eighty degree angle. Like it was just insane. Like it was just really tough, mm-hmm. and like to kind of get to that point where I hiked, and then at the end of this past year over Christmas, I did a twenty mile hike up like an crazy incline hill that's considered the training ground for the Appalachian Trail. So it's just like really insane to me because that's kind of how this all started for Mm -hmm. me and that's when I really started like the presets I made on that trip kind of really changed everything for me like it really helped those presets made me find my personal style was digital that looks like film and like Mm -hmm. I've really leaned into that and now I shoot mainly film mostly and Mm -hmm. all of the stuff I don't shoot that's film I edit to make it look like film Mm -hmm. and I used to not I used to like the cleanness of digital when I shot digital but now I don't even like that like and it's Mm -hmm. so bizarre to me because it's like I when I see something clean it looks like I, I can't even look at it it's mm-hmm. it's really crazy like it's it, and and what he says like what Pepe is saying I think it it really tracks too because it's like when I finally got to London I feel like that was that point where it had been about two years since I really got back into studying like film and photography and it had been like a year and a half two years since I started teaching myself Lightroom and I really stuck with it and like and then I finally created these presets that I'm launching later this month and I made them like during in quarantine because Mm -hmm. and and I and now I'm editing all those photos back and they look like they were supposed to and how I always wanted them to and I feel like I finally got to that place like it took and and I went to on this trip last year in June so it's been about a year 
since then. So if you think about this time where he's talking about like, you know, it's just about putting the time in and like really like even though it seems crazy and impossible, like and most people will be like, what are you talking about? Like I do, what you're saying is just like they'll look at you with like mm-hmm. like this these eyes, even though they'll tell you like good for you, like good luck. They'll look at you with these with his eyes with like 80 percent where they're like, yeah, I'll believe it when I see it. Like, you know, if you're a creative, yeah. I think you know what I'm exactly the look I'm talking about where yeah. like it's not like you need them to believe you, but like, you know, that they don't really believe you, even though it doesn't matter. It's like and it's it doesn't matter what you say. They're going to think what they want regardless. Exactly. Not like they have anything to go off of because they have no idea what it takes to do anything in your yeah. like you know, in your industry, but they still judge you for it because they don't understand it, you know? And I think that that, it really, that conversation between the two of them, because they're both in the industry and with everything that Kaori has been going through and the fact that she really likes guys who are, you know, I think that she really respects Mm-hmm. Him. creative and career oriented yeah i think that like i think this can go one of two ways with her and pepe i think she really respects his drive i don't know if it's going to be a little too much for her that she's going to internalize mm-hmm. this and think she's not yeah. doing enough and then yeah. she's going to start like projecting like her insecurity on pepe <laughs> Yeah, because she definitely like she's a product i think of her environment mm-hmm. and the way that she feels around people and her work, I think, is is how she internalizes a lot of those right. feelings. Especially since she was telling us just now that she feels a little lost now that her big mm-hmm. gallery has done. And she's a little burnt out. And she's like, now I don't know what I'm working towards. Because, like, I used mm-hmm. to have something I was working toward. But now I don't. Yeah, she had that end goal. Yeah. And, like, now, like, and watching Pepe, like, Pepe does have something he's working toward. Like, so... The fact that he's doing something at such a large scale and taking such a big risk when and that's the thing I think that also I think she might a little she might internalize a little as well as the fact that Pep here's Pepe where he's not even traditionally trained. Hmm. He doesn't even speak the language. And yeah. and yet he flew to Japan to pursue his dream and he's taking that chance. Yeah. Like he knew what he wanted and was not going to let anything kind of halt him. Yeah. Whereas with Kaori, she's stayed here. And even though she did live abroad in France and stuff, she's moved back to Japan. She worked for a, a company to make money. And then she moved to kind of like start doing illustration work. But she didn't even like really do any like she hasn't. I don't think she even if she says I think maybe part of the reason why she feels so much imposter syndrome is even though she isn't traditionally trained. Like I think even if you aren't traditionally trained, if you if you're putting as much into your own training, like self training and self teaching as you as Pepe is putting into his own self teaching, then I think you wouldn't feel as I mean, you'd feel imposter syndrome, but maybe you wouldn't feel as much of it. Maybe Kaori feels like so much imposter syndrome because she feels like she isn't doing enough. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, because you don't necessarily have to be trained, I feel like, because there's enough resources, I feel like, to teach yourself that it almost... yeah feels the same you know without going to I mean it's hard because like sometimes like I think honestly like I think there are pros and cons to both ways like I think being traditionally taught for something gives you a lot of great things like it gives you tools into like you know that 
some people who aren't traditionally taught get. Like, for example, how to make money by being a photographer Mm -hmm. or how to make money by doing something creative because it will they'll teach you like like how do you who to contact who to sell your photos to how do you Mm -hmm. sell your photos how do you do this how do you set up galleries how do you contact galleries like they'll give you all that background but like I also think sometimes they put too much into your head and they they take out the creativity and like the x factor because just because you went to art school doesn't mean you're going to be a successful artist that's going to make it business-wise because yeah it's not a streamlined road like that exactly because people people like yeah art's great and like it's amazing and everyone can go to art school but like people don't buy photos because they look like perfect on paper like people buy photos because they look great but there's also something there that like they can't replicate themselves when they're taking a picture on their own which is why they buy it like Mm -hmm. it's it's so hard to describe like it's also like I mean it's also how some some artists or photographers can take a photo or make a painting about something like a plastic bag in the air or something and like they can edit it and make it look all right Katy perry i mean but i'm saying like they can make it look like worth it i'm 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 just saying like i mean look at all the abstract paintings like jackson pollock or like for example mark rothko who's one of my favorite artists i mean if some people look at mark mark rothko and they're like dude it just looks like paint swatches like he forgot that he was trying to pick a pick a paint swatch color for his wall like that's what it looks like but to me it means a lot more than that so like Mm -hmm. I think it's just hard I don't know and it's like also with coming off of what her mentor teacher dude said too who's like douchey or anything yeah we love him he's the best but yeah it's incredible that he is so amazing so anyway finding (laughs) your own personal style is tough yeah but good I think it's good it's so satisfying it is it's like a step in your creativity and I think in your work once you have your personal style because it's so nice to be I, I like it's I don't know I, I just love when I get when I can look at something or hear something and automatically know who it is like yes. in a way like it sucks too because like yes I get that like from a creating standpoint like I got bored after a while when I was doing bookstagram but I don't think it was really like that it was my signature look or style because I think Mm -hmm. like your subject matter can be different even if your look is similar and your look doesn't necessarily all have to always be the same color because I think my new style has a lot of different tones and colors but is very consistent I don't know would you say that it's consistent (laughs) I think it's pretty consistent now I do I think it looks really nice I still struggle with my photography style like my videography style is pretty much set but it's my photography that I still like to experiment with but I think even when you do find a style, it's still like even when Pepe talks about like, for example, Ruka's art, which is what we're going to go into next. Like he talks about how we see Ruka's like sketchbook and Ruka's style of drawing is very like is purposefully. I don't know if it's purposefully, but it looks like that style of drawing that's purposefully like rudimentary. I don't think it's purposefully. I don't think it's purposefully <laughs> either. But it reminds me of the artists who are like, for example, like Linnea Finnick. Yeah. Who recently did, who recently got to do the cover for the new Justin Bieber and Ariana Grande single. I love her drawings that are, they're literally just figure drawings or like a lot of them have write, written messages in them. There's someone recently who did an amazing like Terrace House visual essay and mm. that artist was incredible. I think she's like, I'm pretty sure she was a an Asian artist. 
Yumi Sakugawa. Like, it's an emerging style, especially now. And I've seen, like, big canvas art paintings with his type of drawings that he has that sell for a lot of money. So I I don't think that he was doing it not on purpose, but, like, maybe mm. he saw a lot of art like that and was like, oh, I get that. That's, like, my style. And, like, mm-hmm. that's what he figured out. Like, and just kind of roll with it. But he talks – but Pepe talks about how – you know, Picasso, for example, which a lot, my mom talks about this all the time because my mom's also an artist. She went to Radcliffe for art to do like on scholarship for an art, for an art program. And she, she talks about how like, you know, it's, it's really hard for, it's easier to learn the basics and the traditional like rules of drawing, but it is harder, people say, to like go back into the basics and to capture like a childlike sensibility of drawing Mm -hmm. because you kind of lose that because you get so obsessed with oh well this doesn't look like it's supposed to and you kind of lose that whole beauty of playful and innocent when a child draws you know they just draw so freely without having to be constrained they're not yeah they're it's so imaginative they're not bound by the traditional rules of this is how a rainbow is supposed to look like it can look however you want which i think is what a lot of people are drawn to about art because it can be anything. So so while Pepe gives this incredible like interpretation and possible alternate interpretation of <laughs> of Ruka's art, just like with the pasta. Yes, you know, uh, just like his pasta. The girls talk about how okay, so Emika basically we see what happens the night before, and then Emika kind of discusses to Kaori and Pepe what happened. And so what happened was like Ruka's sketchbook was on the dinner table, and he mentions how he was drawing. So Emika, being nice because she just came into the house and doesn't understand like what it, what it means when you ask Ruka questions like this, walks straight into the trap as the <laughs> commentator said. <laughs> Newbie mistake. And basically like just watched horrifyingly with her own face as <laughs> Ruka explained and she just didn't know how to react. So <laughs> none of us did. She basically was like, yeah, it was she was like I great it was great how I asked him, but I just didn't know how to react after and yeah, and then Kawori is just like cracking up. Like off the side, she just like doesn't know what to do. Yeah, because she knows. Yeah, and then they notice how so one of the things that Ruka did is she asks Emika what her kanji characters for her her name are. And so she tries to explain to him what the character for her flower, because Emika, ka is for flower. And so he's like, is ka for flower? And she's like, yeah, like the smell, like the flower mm-hmm. you smell, the pretty flower, flower roses or like daisies not like you know baking flour mm-hmm. <laughs> and she like explains she's like it's the it's also ka for like chinese like chuka it's the same letter and he's like yeah no it's too complicated for me i can't write it <laughs> yeah he's like yeah you're speaking it's like someone speaks math to me and i'm like mm, i'm out <laughs> <laughs> yeah not not the right target audience right there and then so he starts writing in hiragana and then he kind of connects all the letters together and then so he does this like very high school thing where he's like oh my god i just noticed something and she's like what and he's like do you see this right here when you write the letters emika together don't you see right here you can see the word ruka I was like, it's like a middle school boy 
talking to his crush. Oh, my God. And she's like, oh, my God, that's right. And she's, like, so nice about how she reacted. But then the next morning when these people decide to open this notebook on the kitchen table, they see that he has actually kept writing this connected her name where his name is in the middle of her name like a hundred times and then there's little hearts it's like when i used to write in my notebook how much i loved chris evans and i was like oh kate loves chris evans over and over and over my 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 notebook it's literally like a movie or cartoon or graphic novel or anything where it's a YA novel yeah. where, or a YA movie where the high school or middle school teen like <laughs> has hearts and like Mrs. Jordan Catalano written all over her notebook. <laughs> like, <laughs> yep. Where it's like, oh, wow. I don't think. But this is real life and now on reality yeah. TV. It's like. One, yeah, sure, it wasn't necessarily appropriate for them to open a sketchbook without asking because it's kind of like a diary. But also, like, number two, like, there's no lock on it, and it's also not your diary. It's a sketchbook, and if you don't want people to see it, don't leave it on the dining table if you're going to write weird, creepy stuff in it. Yeah, I'm like, you leave it in a public place like that. It's not like it was, like, in his room and they fished it out of there. Like, it was in the public space. Five weeks from now, Ruka has to watch this. He has to watch them laughing about seeing that and watch them yeah. looking at it and laughing about oh, it oh yeah the horror the embarrassment can you imagine what do you think he's gonna do when he sees that oh my god he's just gonna be so red and so quiet and they think he's gonna be he's just so embarrassed yeah it's gonna be bad i feel bad it's for not him. gonna be great it's not gonna be great yeah <laughs> i'm like yeah oh yeah. did you see the spider-man though oh god He's continuing with the Spider-Man thing. I'm like, yeah, I think we should move on from from his drawing. Oh, speaking of the Marvel and Spider-Man, like uh, just as as we would have thought, like he is actually possibly going to get this job supposedly. He's still trying. He's still he's still trying regardless of what everyone says. He's still going for that job. Well, honestly, I think this is realistic. Like the more I thought about it, like obviously the spar is going to want him to work there because that's free publicity. Yeah. Like they don't have to pay for that. Yeah. This is like publicity all around the entire world. Like people yeah. are going to start. Well, I mean, at the time they were like, oh, yeah, here are all these like people are going to come for from for the Olympics and they'll come to our place. Because, like, I kind of want to go to that bar, too. That sounds, like, really up our alley. Totally. And they already talk about how a lot of foreigners go there and how a lot of them speak English. So it probably attracts a lot of tourists anyway that I'm sure. Yeah, it's a Marvel bar. We would like that bar. Yeah, but, like, the more you know, I mean, obviously, they need to make money. So now we're going on to the fun stuff, which is Haruka and Pepe. This is the best part of the episode. (laughs) Aperol Spritz. The happiness that brought to me. I'm like, yes, show the Italian culture. Oh, yes. I love how he calls it a spritz. A spritz, my favorite. Just, it's spritz. And I was like, oh, he's so sexy. Okay, (laughs) wait, we didn't even talk about, okay, wait, number one, now that we're talking about Pepe, let's, okay, Caitlin and I had this really long conversation about people who can, like, the gap between people who wear glasses Mm -hmm. and, like, not glasses and, like, uh, when you see someone who doesn't normally wear glasses and you find out that they wear glasses and they look cute, it's like, ah, I just want to scrunch your face and make out with it. And you're like, whoa, it's like just like a new level of hot that I'm like, <laughs> heck yeah. 
literally like i I just can't like i was oh so when he so this episode god i could just start the opening of this episode multiple times an episode starts with him okay so well for i'm gonna like throw in a disclaimer like i hope this doesn't make anyone uncomfortable but the first time i watched this this season i was not single so (laughs) now that i'm watching it i'm just like wow I didn't realize how like attractive he is because I have blinders on when I'm in a like when I'm in a relationship. Yeah. I like I'm just like all about my person. So like I can like I said on the pod, like I can find I can be like, oh yeah, objectively this person is attractive, but I don't like I don't swoon. And like this morning, well this morning, <laughs> yeah, this morning, the other night when I watched this episode, when like Pepe walks out first thing in the morning like right after he woke up in his pajamas which are like gray and white which are so attractive (laughs) and he's like he's got this tussled hair and his glasses are on and he's like half asleep and he's like good morning and I'm like like, he wears glasses die it's just like that that like morning look yeah well his shirt's like a little askew and like you know, yeah. it's like slept in. It's like not perfect. You know, he's not all put together, Ugh. and it's it's just... like all disheveled. Yeah, I love disheveled morning things. I love it. Oh, I'm so attracted to people like in the morning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I don't know why. I think it's because it's the vulnerability mm-hmm. of it. Because I don't normally like to sleep in a bed with someone. Like I like I don't know. I just I'm really uncomfortable. I like so like my love languages are we need to do your language love yes, language test. We do. But mine are acts of service, quality time and physical touch. And so touch and like quality time, acts of service. Yeah. So like for me, I just like in the morning I don't normally but touch comes third for me. So it's like I need acts of service, quality time, and then touch becomes mm-hmm. like a love language. So it takes a hot second for me to like sleep over, uh-huh. if that makes sense. Like yeah. in the past, I would be I would I would I would be more inclined to sleep with someone before sleeping over at their house. Mm-hmm. I would be like, OK, cool. All right. I'm going to go home now. <laughs> and I'd be like, you I'm can scared. stay over. And I'd be like, it's OK. I'm good. Anyway, I feel bad. We keep objectifying Pepe. Pepe is also very intelligent and smart and kind and thoughtful. And he has much more going for him than, you know, his amazing bedhead. But he's a full package. And a disheveledness in the morning. But, you know, (laughs) it's fine. This is why we're here, to discuss this stuff. So Pepe is working always. It's just so attractive to me, like him working (laughs) at the house. It's just attractive. I also like that he works at the house because it's like he's working, but he wants to spend time with everyone, which is like quality time. See, ding, ding, ding. Because like he could just work in his room, you know, and just kind of hide himself in a bubble or like in an office. But no, he's like down, like hanging out. Still working and everyone's there. I think this is the thing, though, because you and I have said this, like, like being able to sit in a room with someone, even if you're not actually, like, doing something together, but the mm-hmm. fact that you're just spending time together is enough, like, sometimes, like, that's cozy, and that's me. So, like, I like when, so it's like this, it's like, even if you both have to work, like, it's nice that you can spend time with each other, mm-hmm. even if you're working, which I yeah. think, like, now especially since we're all working from home maybe people are like this is so annoying but to me I'm like I love being able to be uh, all the time with the person (laughs) like when I want to be 
I don't know. I have like a very weird thing because I just said like I don't want to sleep over your house, but like I have a very once I'm in, like I'm in, like I always want to hang out, like. But I also like having alone time. So yeah, I agree. It's I want to be able to have alone time and be like, I don't want to talk to you, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. But like, I still like really care about the person, and I love them, and I just like. But I yeah. But then other times I'm like really annoying, and then they're like stop touching and stop clinging to me, and I'm like, <laughs> but I'm I'm a barnacle. <laughs> I don't know. That's my life. But I'm a barnacle. Uh, cancers, you know? That's who we are. <laughs> anyway, Haruka brings home a peach for Pepe. <laughs> so Pepe, like, she asked Pepe if she's ever have, had a Japanese peach, which, if you've never had a Japanese peach before, it's a very valid question. My, f- my first thing I wanted to do for all of you guys when you came to japan mm-hmm. this summer is because peaches are big in the summer is to feed you all japanese peaches because i love peaches once you have a japanese peach you will never ever view peaches the same I because peaches. peaches will be the queen of all fruit for you so like good what japanese white peaches are like <sighs> sex i want one <laughs> they're literally <laughs> literally like an orgasm in your mouth they are so good i can't even tell you how good they, they literally they're they melt like air and there's this incredible incredible japanese cake shop right by my house in japan called oh do i want to say this name oh do i want to share this oh i don't know it's already super popular do i want to share this with you guys yes i'm going to share it because i'm a nice person it's called ogawa king it's amazing in the summer they have a summer only exclusive milfiu tart which is like this oh it's like layered custard and milfi like it's like the and it's probably terrible none of you guys are gonna want to go oh my god and there's half an entire half of a gelatinized like it's like covered in gel like a little gelatin it's half of entire japanese peach on top and so and there's peach inside it's so good it's like the most i literally like i die for that cake it's so good and since i have a summer birthday every time if i'm ever home for the summer my mom always gets me that for my birthday it's like the best it's so good it's the best part of japan I can't. I, I kid you not. That cake. <laughs> I want. I want it. Now I'm hungry. So uh, Haruka cuts the peach for him. Oh, so cute. And he thanks her and she's like, it's okay. And then, yeah, that's her voice. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then Pepe asks Haruka if she can drink and she says yes. So he asks right now and offers to make her a spritz. And she's like, I can't drink anything really like strong. And basically, he's like, it's sweet. And then he pulls the Aperol out. And I was like, great product placement. The happiness. The happiness I felt. <laughs> I know. Aperol is my drink of choice. It's my love. I love it. When I when people, when people When anyone asks me what my drink is, I used to not be so self-conscious about it. But, like, ever since it kind of became, like, the basic drink <laughs> yeah of the summer last year i always feel like i have to add a disclaimer to be like i know it's basic but i love aperol's yeah <laughs> yep because like i love them okay they're good and i start i liked them before everyone liked them I'm just agreed. saying and then it blew up and then i felt weird about being like yeah i love aperol <laughs> because it's good yeah. and i'm sorry but like 
in Italy, they come in like little bottles and you can buy them at the supermarket like a freaking, I don't know, like a Diet Coke. And it's like my favorite thing. It's so good. Yeah. When Caitlin and my mutual friend Jesse and I and this other girl from her college, the three of us, we went to Italy and we went on this like road trip to all of the filming locations of Call Me By Your Name. And we stopped by at this grocery store and I found them and I was like, I love Italy. I want to move here. <laughs> I was like, they have Avril spritzes and bottles and you can buy them as a four pack for like yeah. less than 10 bucks. Like, what the hell is this? Like, yeah, I had a spritz before. Every yeah. single dinner, like, I could oh, me too. not get enough of it. Oh, yeah. And I don't really drink that much, like, in general. But that summer in or that fall in Italy, that trip, I drank. I think I had an Avril spritz with every meal. And there are, de- like, there's definitely every picture I'm holding, like, a spritz <laughs> or a glass of wine. And I'm always super happy. Yes. Yeah, and I'm just, like, I mean, it was a really stressful trip. So, like, it was amazing, but it was also stressful. So, <laughs> it was intense. So, basically... He makes her an Aperol spritz and they she asks him if they can put like the fruit in it. And he's like, oh, my God. Yeah, that's such a good idea because they put typically they put oranges Mm -hmm. in Aperol spritz because Aperol is an orange liqueur for whoever isn't aware. So whoever isn't aware of what an Aperol spritz is, you can watch. Well, now, but it's usually Aperol and then dry sparkling wine, usually like a Prosecco Mm -hmm. and then a little bit of club soda. Mm hmm. That's kind of how I like it. And usually you can tell if there's too much Aperol in it when it tastes a little too bitter. Yeah. You want to mix a good Aperol spritz is not bitter at all. It's just sweet. If you find that an Aperol, ta- an Aperol spritz that you get tastes a little bitter, that means it, le- it needs a little bit more club soda or a little more... Uh, it's usually a little more club soda. Yeah, because Aperol is really bitter. Like, it's... Yeah. I have no friends who struggle to drink that because of how bitter it is, but it's not supposed yeah. to be that bitter. Like, mm-hmm. if you had Aperol by itself, like, you could tell, like, how bitter it is. Like, it's super, super bitter. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like... It is. It's like it's like having bitters. Like, yeah. having an old-fashioned and, like, drinking yeah. bitters. Like it's like that. You have to mix it in really well. Like, the ratios mm-hmm. are really important. Yeah. It's really strong. Like, if you don't drink it on it's like if you eat like a because it's an orange liqueur like if you mm-hmm. eat the the rind is really bitter and so if you eat like for example like an orange chocolate sometimes they can be bitter mm-hmm. if you've had that experience of eating the rind of an orange chocolate like sometimes people like if you like jaffa cakes like some people won't like them because they think it's very like specific taste wise but yeah that's a good tip like if you've tried an apple spritz and you're like mm, it's too bitter it's probably because there wasn't enough club soda mm-hmm. or prosecco in it so i implore you to try again because they are the best when they're made right and when you go to italy if you ever go to italy or have the opportunity to i know right now it's hard to think about going abroad because (laughs) like it's impossible but if you ever are able to in the future hopefully nothing will like ever will still be around I think it will be. But then, you know, you can try it in Italy. And in Italy, it always tastes good. Like, yeah. they know how to make it there. It's an yeah. Italian drink. So yeah. and it's an important drink because they drink it before their meal. And it's supposed to... If you drink it before a really carby meal, it's supposed to help you digest the meal, basically. Exactly. Yes. It's an aperitif. And so it's kind of like a nice drink that you drink, like, after you order, like, waiting for, mm-hmm. like, your pizza or pasta to come. And then after you eat it, super 
carby, that Aperol Spritz is basically just an enjoyable kind of refreshing drink and help you digest the meal better. Great tip. It's a digestive, yeah, because mm-hmm. bitters are digestives. Yep. And it's also something if you feel nauseous, if you put a tiny bit of Aperol into a big, a, like a big cup of, what's it called, sparkling water or club mm-hmm. soda, then that actually helps alleviate your bad, like your mm-hmm. upset stomach if yep. you're having a little bit of a tummy thing, because that's usually what I do. Like if you go to a bar and you're feeling a little nauseous, ask the bartender to pour like three three shakes of bitters into a glass of club soda and drink that Mm -hmm. and usually if like if you want something that's non-alcoholic do just the bitters Mm because bitters are non-alcoholic if you're okay with a little bit of alcohol and you only have something like a aperol then aperol works great because it's a great digestive so um and you're only putting a tiny bit in to like kind of like dilute it in the club soda because club soda is also like known to calm your tummy down you can also put it in ginger ale that helps as well and that really helps like ginger bitters and ginger ale actually is like my favorite way to calm my tummy when I'm having I have a lot of stomach issues because I have a sensitive stomach so that's usually how I like to calm things down and it's always good to know this stuff especially in quarantine when we don't have that much access to medication and I know ibuprofen reacts badly to COVID-19 I think so yeah I know that's a great yeah so it's always good to only take acetaphenamine Tylenol if you're having pains and if you're having a tummy thing do the digestive thing I highly recommend it anyway they go on the roof to chat and then Haruka asks Pepe a little bit about his last romantic relationship and they both kind of bond over their romantic past and like discuss their last most recent relationship and they both bond over the fact that they were in three like a little over three year relationships where they both lived with their significant other Mm -hmm. and they both agree that by the it was really hard because by the end of their relationship it was more that they were together out of comfort and convenience as opposed to like passion and love and they both kind of like had similar experiences with both of their Mm -hmm. relationships and uh, Pepe tells Haruka that his first about his first kiss at age 18 and how he was a self-admitted late bloomer and then he goes into this amazingly thought out like (laughs) I just like conversationalist where it was just like wow like he's a storyteller like so wow where he says he tells her how his first kiss tasted of oranges and the camera pans to their Aperol spritzes which is made out of an orange liqueur with slices of oranges in the cup and she's blushing and she's blushing (laughs) and she tells Pepe that he's making her blush Mm -hmm. because like he's talking about a first kiss and like so Yamachan talks about this the presenter later and also on the audio where he's like it's masterful like how to watch because like if you think about it like they're drinking this drink they've already gotten a little comfortable with each other and then he tells her like yeah uh, my first kiss and blah 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 and then he's like yeah it tastes like oranges and then they're drinking this drink already and they're done and so like the taste in their mouths are oranges and he's talking about a first kiss so if you're thinking about kissing <laughs> right so he's making her think about kissing i was waiting for a kiss i was like oh he's i know i was like so i just charming. oh it was just so i was like i honestly if if i was her i would have been and he tried to kiss me then i would have kissed him oh absolutely Oh, I would have suckered right into that. Because, like, that's just, like, it's so, like, moody. Like, that's a vibe. That's a mood, man. Like, how could you not? How could you not? That was so... But, like, I liked that he didn't kiss her. Yeah. I actually prefer that because I think it probably would have been too soon. Yeah. And it would have made him look a little, like, too moving and shaking. Yeah. Too playboyish. Too, like, too charming playboy. You know? Like, he knows what he's doing. 
it was so charming the way he said it. Mm-hmm. Like it was just so like I don't know. It it didn't feel calculated. Like it no. felt authentic and natural mm-hmm. and I just really loved it. Yeah, I, I thought that was so cute. Ah. And then oh, Pepe also made a dirty joke about how saying cheers <laughs> like when they say cheers in Italian and so he says salute and and she's like, "Oh, is that how you say it?" And he goes, yeah, he's like, I won't say the other way because it's dirty and it's too obscene. And she's like, oh, what? And then he says, it. <laughs> he's like, it's chin chin. So like, I shouldn't say it. Ah, okay, but I'm going to say it anyway. And then she and then she goes, oh, and then she laughs because what you might not know is the like the you know, how when like you tell babies like how they say like, oh, it's my like whatever and my whatever. Or, like when you talk about your like body parts, like your vagina and your penis yeah. when you're a baby. And like chinching is like what a saying it makes me embarrassed. It's like what a what a child would say. You know, it's like what a child calls yeah. your private part. Me pee pee or your penis. Like that. You know, your pee pee. Yeah, basically it's like your pee pee. That's mm-hmm. literally what it is. Your chinching and your pee pee. Like, right? It's just it's an onomatopoeia. Yeah. I feel like that's what a kid was saying. Yeah, basically. So that's what it is. And so she's just like, Psh. like, so I like that he can insert, like, the way that he talks is very witty. I want to see what his communication style is. I bet it's like Gemini or something or Sagittarius or something like very communicative. Mm. But anyway, what did you think about this whole situation with the two of them? I thought it was super cute and like, just, he's just so charming. Like, I feel like I just can't help but love him. And it was, also kind of nice to see Haruka kind of, you know, blushing and swooning a bit, you know? I feel like she hasn't had too much, like, flirtatious action, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think that was kind of fun to see where I'm like, ooh, you know, who's Pepe going to land with? Is he going to connect with anyone? Like, obviously, connections may not be his top priority, but I'm, I don't know. It just made me kind of curious. I'm like, you know, who is he interested in? What is he kind of feeling? Because it definitely seemed very flirty, so. Yeah, yeah. So his Mercury is in Sagittarius. I was right. Uh-uh. I was like, Gemini or Sagittarius? <laughs> he, so, can you, can, um, your Mercury is how you communicate and talk, think, and process information, and it's also how you learn, and his is in Sagittarius, meaning his intellect is expansive, boundary-pushing, and independent, and through sincere and irreverent curiosity about everything, they have a critical opinion of most things. Big picture thinker, they find themselves unconcerned with details. They tend to be fairly sarcastic and make other people feel uncertain. In their third house, meaning they are curious about and inclined to analyze how they communicate, whether they really understand something and all the things they don't know. But he's also a Capricorn sun and Capricorn moon with a rising in Libra, which means he's such a hard worker. Like, of course, he's always working. And of course, he's super dedicated Mm -hmm. because he's fundamentally responsible, serious, efficient and rational. It may lead to power hungry ambitiousness, have a tendency for workaholism and success or support for the dreams of those around them. Emotionally reserved need to learn to express their inner world and have fun. In fourth house, meaning need to distinguish themselves from others through home and family, and also having their moon in Capricorn, which rules emotions, moods, and feelings. It reflects your personality when you're alone and deeply uncomfortable, meaning his emotional self is somewhat repressed in the name of responsibility and seriousness and rationality, and he craves the guidance and comfort of a teacher or parent, which is the same as Ruka, I think. I think Ruka has a Mm. Capricorn moon. And it's in his third house, meaning he finds security and safety through the things he knows and is familiar with. 
and with his ascendant in Libra, which is the mask he presents to people and personal style and how you come off to people when you first meet. It changed like he comes across as compromising, courteous and fair minded and inclined towards balance in all forms, aesthetic, romantic and judgment. So it kind of makes sense that he's always kind of being like he's always kind of like even with Ruka, he's always kind of taking his side and being like, well, you know, it's great that like, you know, sometimes, you know, that's how like Carbonaro is made. And he's like always tries to be fair. Like he takes everyone's side and tries Mm -hmm. to balance everything out which i think is very accurate and he's such a workaholic like he's so dedicated to his work not workaholic mm-hmm. i mean yeah kind of but like i mean not in a bad way but it's just what he puts his efforts in and yeah yeah it's definitely not in a bad and way and his mars is in cancer which is his planet of aggression or how he asserts himself takes action in the energy around him particularly in your sex life your ambitiousness or when you're angry and with his is in cancer it means he asserts himself in a way that's emotional and somewhat passive aggressive and pushes things forward only when they feel safe and secure and they put a lot of energy into goals success and responsibility because it's in his 10th house and his Venus is an Aquarius, which means that he, his romantic side is unconventional, unconventional, intellectual, and somewhat detached and can be bubbly and obvious when they like someone, but typically they prefer forms of intimacy less obvious than romance. And it's in his fifth house, meaning for them, love is often expressed in romance, self-expression, creativity, and pleasure. So it feels like, I mean, creativity, self-expression, like the way he kind of tried to, like... I don't know, be romantic with Haruka was very creative and like very self ex- like it, it rooted in self-expression talking about his first kiss. So I think it's just very accurate. Mm-hmm. His way of life is Libra as well, which is very balanced and like harmony, balance and seeing both sides of the situation and his idealism, optimism and expansion. And he finds success through his self and self-image because this is in his first house. And so since his Jupiter and Libra is in his first house, like his Libra is very hyper present in his personality. So he's very fair minded and very like open and like thoughtful. So in a way, like he's actually a very good match for Kaori because Mm -hmm. Kaori is looking for someone who's like a Libra. And he also gets along really well with Shohei because they have a lot of stuff in common and the way they view life is very, very common. So like, it's actually like Pepe is a perfect person to join this specific cast. And it makes sense that the mood and the energy of the house is so much lighter and brighter now that he's in it because he meshes. The vibe kind of circles him like the vibe of the yeah. house is very dependent on what he says and what he does and how right. he interacts with all of them and i think it's it's definitely all of this stuff in his chart where he's talking and it, his chart is so well matched with everyone it's it's so it, it balances really well like he's a good fit and i think it's pretty amazing to see i like mm-hmm. them i think they're really cute i like him a lot oh and yusuke oh my god on the other side of this so <laughs> we didn't even talk so at the beginning of the episode haruka basically tells yusuke that he she shouldn't she thinks that it shouldn't be a thing where she goes to the fireworks festival with him and so she says she's not going to go so all of the pa- panelists are like damn it we wanted to see that like i can't believe we're not going to get to see it and then they send a crew with 
Yusuke at the fireworks festival and I, I get to watch it. him. I was just like, oh, we just gonna oh sit God. here and watch him on this romantic evening by himself. I know. It's so intense. So like one of the most classic things about Japan in the summer is fireworks festivals. We have them in August every year. We dress up in yukatas. They have a crazy like it's it's like a fair. So it's like a carnival. Like you know how they have like carnival fairs and stuff mm-hmm. where you have like carnival like arcades yeah. and all that. It's like that but in Japan and that's in the summer. And then at the end of those they have like the big fireworks so you can they have like the goldfish where you can like you have these little paddles with washi paper and you try to like scoop as many goldfish as you can and you can do that with turtles and there's like different games you can do in like shooting arcade games and like all this type of stuff and so he's at this thing and like the music they choose to play is like it's actually like really classic Japanese like the most popular Japanese summer music if you were to say summer in Japan to any any Japanese person and you were say what is a band that makes you think of the summer in Japan they would say southern all-stars and that is this song is called they called the love affair it's called the secret love affair he meets another love affair and it's so classic it's been used as a theme song for almost all of the biggest japanese like tv rom-com dramas like it's so popular i can't believe they used this song for this episode because it must have cost so much money to use that song for this episode like, I can't imagine how much the royalty is. But mm. it was perfect because if you know that about Japan, it's like, you can hear the commentary. I want to insert the commentary of the panelists talking, like, because it's so quiet. Like, I watched this this episode without audio commentary first in the bath. And then the next, I watched it again with the audio commentary on t- earlier today. And watching it without the audio commentary on is so cinematic because it's literally like a drama scene because it, it cuts is. from like Pepe and Haruka like talking about first kisses and her <laughs> blushing on the roof to immediately <laughs> Yusuke alone <laughs> looking up at the fireworks. And you see his, so like, there's a shot of his face and the fireworks are like lighting his face up. And it's like literally a movie. <laughs> I just, yeah, it's so dramatic. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, how romantic. Oh, God, it's painful. It's so good. <laughs> and then while you're listening to the audio commentary, it's just, oh, my God, it's painful. And then, like, it comes to a point where, like, that, that sequence is so long that, like, <laughs> the panelists stop, start running out of things to say. <laughs> so they start commenting on the fireworks and, like, the summer in Japan the song and the band <laughs> and then Yamachan's like talk about Yusuke talk about Yusuke talk about Yusuke talk about what's happening <laughs> he keeps referencing it. and it's like it's still just Yusuke <laughs> it's so funny I can't it's so good so we're gonna insert that and you can listen to the beauty and glory and awkwardness of all of that mm-hmm. hey? Yusuke ユースケ。ユースケ。ユースケ。ユースケ。ユースケ。ユースケ。ユースケ。ユースケ。ユースケ。ユースケ。ユースケ。ユースケ。ユースケ。ユースケ。ユースケ。ユースケ。ユースケ
番綺麗だ<笑>うわやっぱすごいよね日本の花火すごい、ね、ほらみんなが何かいろんなことを避けすぎて花火を褒め始めたぞ<笑>いろんなことを避けていくと結果花火を褒めることになるぞすごいですよ花火大会って1回の花火大会で1万発とかそうだよ見て花火大会の方の話をしている<笑>ユースケうわー綺麗カップヌードルの試合見てるじゃないかこれやっぱサザンいいですねサザンはいいねユースケに触れて<笑>みんなユースケに触れてやっぱサザンはいいよなね刈り上げてんのより両サイドうわーすごいフィナレフィナレ綺麗すごい
knowing that she has to watch this. Yeah. And she didn't do anything. Like, here's the thing. is like She didn't. She literally hasn't done anything. There was, like, none of the comments were made about Risiko or Haruka or Kor. Like, none of the other girls. Exactly. Was comments made about this. It's so not okay. So none of the other girls were being talked about like this. And with Amika, like, she she really didn't do anything. It was an innocent pool party. Yes, her swimsuit was super cute and she looked great. But Haruka was also in a two-piece, but they weren't sexualizing her. And honestly, Amika is a lot younger than Haruka. So, like, it just, it puts a bad taste in my mouth. Because I think the tone and, like, the way that you say it is very different. Because like Michelle mentioned earlier, you know, we're talking about Pepe and how cute he is and, you know, how we like a disheveled morning after look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I feel like the way that you sexualize someone, you know, call them erotic or exotic and it's just, the tone can be really different. I don't know if I'm expressing myself clearly enough. Um, so I hope Michelle or Jack or all of you guys listening can kind of understand what I'm trying to to get across but definitely context and tone has a lot to do with this and the way that they talk about her is just very very different than how they talk about everyone else and I'm just not super pleased by that so basically like kind of the gist I felt like context and tone plays a big role in this and a big thing for me is that Haruka was in a two-piece as well. Yes. So why were they singling out Amika and her swimsuit yes. and her two-piece? Bodies look um, very similar. Yes. She, she looks, looks amazing. amazing. But like, why was she singled out more than Haruka? I just don't enjoy them immediately. Like, because then, because I'm, I'm not to like spoil it, but like this becomes a recurring thing. Like, mm-hmm. this whole idea of Emika being this, like, sexual, sexy person. And it just kind of sucks. <laughs> like, I yeah. feel bad for her. Like I'd be so because- awkward watching this back as her and being like, oh, yeah. like, now I don't ever want to go to a pool party. Or I'm going to be self-conscious about, like, what I wear and what I say. Yep. Because if you're not trying to be sexy and yeah. People are taking it that way. It's just kind of flipping what she says and what she does and what she wears. She's just, she's sexy, but I wouldn't go around, like, calling her Eroka. Like, that's yeah. so rude. And that's, uh, like, not nice. It's and, not. like, I know what it's like to feel that way. Like, I don't know. I mean, I just, I don't know. It just, it made me, it gave me a really bad taste in my mouth. Because it's been happening for the last few episodes now. Like, she's only been on the episode, like, the show. We don't even really know her yet. And, like, now they've sexualized her every single time she's on the, every single time there's a shot of her face. They're talking about how sexual she looks. Yeah. Like, and it's never the men starting at first. It's always you. She's uh-huh. always the first one. It's like, it's yeah. almost, I don't understand. I don't know if it's like, I don't know if she's just internalized this whole, like, I need to be like sexual, extra sexual, or like, I need to comment on the women first so that men see me as their equal. I don't know if that's what it is, like mm-hmm. an internalized version of that. But like, it just really surprised me. Like, even as someone who is Japanese and as someone who does consistently watch the show, like, I just, I don't, I just really, like, this, this time, it just felt really different and weird. Yeah. And, like, I mean, now that I think that you noticed it, 
mm-hmm. and that you're drawing attention to it, I think that's why it's sticking out so much now. Because it's like, oh, this is happening. When I watch, when now that I'm watching it back this time, I feel like I'm looking back and trying to see, like, if I noticed anything, like, to, that's, mm-hmm. like, I was trying to, I was trying to watch to see if there was anything specific that made them, not made them, but, like, set people off to, like, make them think that that's what she was doing or like gave them the wrong impression but it's mm-hmm. really not like from the yeah. beginning it's just them commenting on how they think she looks sexy and then they sexualize her yeah so it's not even like because like, you can say like uh, for example like let's say like i think objectively dua lipa looks very sexy i think that that's just in general mm-hmm. a comment mm-hmm. that people can say and that people most people will agree with if they see dua lipa they think she looks sexy when she's dancing and doing her like you know new rules dance i think she's hot mm-hmm. right but she i'm not gonna like sexualize her and be like i think she did i think she's erotic and we should call her eroka and like i was just like a, like a, i don't know dua lipa like you can say that someone is attractive or looks great but it's it's just a different context and tone Jayla with the super difference. bowl was totally hot yes and you're like yes <laughs> she looks amazing and then to be like ah comfortable yeah it's too much booty and you're like ah yeah it's just not cool and I just think that we need to kind of I just wouldn't feel comfortable going forward just without addressing that we don't feel comfortable with that Mm -hmm. and it's not cool and it's a problem for us because it is and I don't want to give them a pass on that because Mm -hmm. I think that this is very unfair towards Amiga and if this ends up influencing how they view her or I just I don't know I just feel like as someone who has really struggled with this itself as well like because as someone who grew up in Japan too like it's really hard because like you get this a lot like that's why it's hard like it was so hard for me when I was sharing photography in the beginning for me to share it on my main feed where a lot of my friends growing up or like my family friends whatever follow me because to me it's like so shame like if you're any in any way like show your body in a way like it's always sexual like it's not like if you're a woman and you show any part of your body like it doesn't have to be a sexual photo like I'm not taking photos that are like you know gonna go in sexual looking yeah Yeah. like my anything that I take that has any sort of nudity or like bare of body is usually very artistic because that's Mm -hmm. how I shoot I shoot artistic photography I shoot cinematic photography and part of human life and human art is the naked form and it's beautiful and I like shooting it and I like you know I think it's really amazing and I think sometimes you can't fully get what a body looks like when it's clothed and like Mm -hmm. I think it's okay in certain contexts to do that and obviously like I really love exploring that medium but again like it's hard when especially like in quarantine like your your own model like that's all you have really like so that's something I've always struggled with myself and like I remember like when I posted recently I've been working with you know my own body a lot more and like and and being someone who struggled with body dysmorphia and bulimia like it's taken me a really long time to like my own body mm-hmm. and this quarantine like I've been shooting a lot and I've been shooting different types of photos and I shot obviously like not obviously but some of the photos I shot were naked and I remember looking at them and thinking, oh, my God, like, this is the first time I've ever shot photos of my body naked Mm -hmm. and thought, I like these. Like, empowering. And I don't feel like I need to retouch them. I I felt like 
wow, I can't believe my body looks like this. Like I felt so proud and like to feel that way, looking at my body was so powerful. Like you said, like I never looked at a photo of myself naked and Mm. thought I look good. Like I look to me now, I understand what my body is for. My body is to keep me alive. My body is to move me from one place to another. Mm. My body is to sustain this time I have on the organic, like, material world. Like, it's not for all of this stuff that I think it is. Like, that's all in my mind. And, like, it took me so long to get there because of all of the stuff that is ha- going to be, like, that is literally about to happen to Emika because I can see it. Like, it's like I can see it about to happen because if this is already happening at the beginning, like, I can't even imagine. It's going to be a really tough time for her. Yeah. I think. And it's just so public because it's nothing, it's nothing to do with who she is as a person. I really hope that, you know, we can continue to kind of like bring that the good parts and like see the good parts of her and, and that she won't allow this to really affect her. But mm-hmm. I really don't know how you can't let it affect you because, I mean, when it's a whole panel and like the entire world is watching and when it when they when you look at that and you see seven people all agreeing and giggling about how like sexy you are and like how you they think like old men at like, you know, creepy yeah. bars would want to talk to her. They're like, they oh, if, they, if old man saw her at a resort, like... So what? Like, people say that to us all the time, too, but, like, it's not... It doesn't make you feel good. Like, when I was walking around in Japan, and I was waiting for my friends at Shibuya, like, Hachiko state, like, statue to go out, like, for dinner at night, and then some random dude came up to me and goes 20,000 yen, and I'm like, I'm, excuse me? And they're like, 20,000. And I'm like, what? They're, like, literally propositioning you to go f- in like a love hotel for two hours and they're asking you what your price is like they're offering you a price this was in high school like I would get this all the time like Mm -hmm. it's just that's the country that I mean I love Japan in so many different ways but in this respect when it comes to women they are very irresponsible and it's very behind and they don't protect women and like I think there's nothing more glaring when you see it like this and it's just really sad and it's just the one thing about Japan that I really wish would change and it's one of the reasons why I don't feel comfortable living there like I just don't like ultimately like as a woman I just feel like there's just been too many experiences for me like I mean not to say that there aren't haven't been experiences here but like I think just there's too many triggers now for me and it's just hard and I think I need to get through a lot more of my healing in order to get there Mm -hmm with Japan if that ever does become something for me there's so many great things but it's just like I don't know there's just so much more not that America's that much better but like you know it's just tough but I hope that we are gonna like be fair with Amika as we are with everyone else hopefully I don't know if we've always been as fair with Kenny but like I feel like we've been tried I I didn't end up hating him when we left him so I feel like it's okay but anyway at this point the Haruka kind of brings up to Kaori that they believe that Kaori is a bit of a goody two-shoes she's too closed off she's masking emotions all the time they kind of pile on to Kaori a bit and girl's not in a good place she's at our time of the month her emotions are probably all over the place it's hot self-doubting she already has a problem with imposter syndrome so here she is and she just cannot take it anymore 
So she kind of like, as Ruka comes in and is like, I'm going to come in. She's like, I'm going to leave. It's too hot. And then so she goes on the couch as Shohei kind of walks out. And we all know she does feel comfortable Shohei. He's about to go to work. And she kind of starts crying and asks him, like, do you really think that I'm a goody two-shoes? Like, do you think I mask my emotions all the time? And he goes, "Mm, I mean... Do you think you're trying to put on like a good face for the cameras and for everyone and you try to keep the peace and she's just like I don't understand like I think I'm just living my life like and so she's just crying and she's like I'm sorry you have to go to work like and he's just like oh I know I know I have a little bit of time so then it just kind of like ends then later on that evening Shohei comes they're all like everyone in the house is kind of in the dining room and Shohei comes back and he kind of goes up to Corey and is like, hey, like, do you mind, you want to go upstairs and, like, finish that conversation we were having earlier since I had to go to work and, you know, it kind of got cut short. And you see Corey and she's like, uh, 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 like I don't really want to because I feel nice right now, but, like, uh, okay. Like, because she knows she has to have this conversation, but it's not really, like, a conversation you want to have when you know it's going to make you feel crappy when you finally feel good again after feeling yeah. crappy so anyway, we finally get this Corey Shohei conversation. So here we kind of have Shohei and Corey chatting about what happened. And so she kind of brings it up and she says, I was told I insulate myself to keep others away, but I just thought that I had been being myself. So I really don't understand why. And I'm not sure why it was coming across that way to other people and all of you in the house that, you know, I'm trying to shut myself up and she says like how you know when she saw she and he says like you know he was kind of of the same opinion as Haruka all along and he said that he often wondered if when Kaori said things that she whether or not she said them to keep the peace within the group or if it was whether she was holding back or she actually felt or meant those things that she was saying and Corey says, well, I wanted everyone to get along. Like, don't you? And Shohei goes, it's never going to be perfect for anyone. Like, you shouldn't try so hard. Like, you can't control everyone. Mm-hmm. Like a stop trying. And she's like, uh. Yeah. So it's just kind of like very different opinions and points of view. And they, and I, personally, I thought that it was just an age difference and experience difference. Like, I didn't feel necessarily that what either of them was saying was wrong. But I think that. Corey has just been through probably more relationships or she's just more concerned about like other people's feelings and I don't know maybe maybe Shohei isn't so much about relationships but which is why he doesn't necessarily think like about whether or not the other person is feeling crappy or not I don't know yeah like it's not bad that Corey is feeling for other people and like taking other people's feelings into consideration like it's almost like they make it seem like that's a bad thing but she cares about the people in the house and how they're feeling and honestly if people are fighting like it puts a whole damper on the entire house and so she's just trying to preserve that and I don't think that's bad at all when you're sharing a house with five other people like with six people living in a house where you don't even know each other like empathy and compromise is very important Mm -hmm. (laughs) you can't just live your life like a selfish egotistical douchebag all day every day and like just wonder why people aren't adhering to you or liking you because you're living your life the way you want like great that's fine if you're living alone and or you're living with a partner who accepts that and loves that about you but 
not when you're living with five other people. Like you kind of have to take a little bit more responsibility for yourself and your own actions and your own life. Like, I don't know. I just feel like it's a little childish of him to say that. And yeah, Corey kind of says like, so then they decide like, hey, can we talk frankly? And they're like, okay. And so Corey says like, I, I, she's like, I didn't want you, I don't want you to have to see this on air and not hear it from my mouth. But, oh, oh, no, this is what she says first. She says, so when I was watching, when I was watching the show back and I saw you telling Haruka that you prefer girls who tell you to your face what they think, it hurt me to hear that. And she said, my ears hurt because she's like, I know that I'm not like that and I'm internalized and I internalize things and I wonder if it will hurt someone's feelings or not if I say something and I care about what the other person thinks. So I thought like, wow, like there, and that's when she said, like, she's like, I know that I try to be as honest as possible, but I do, I'm honest within the realm and context of making sure as long as it doesn't hurt the other person for me to be honest. Because I think that is something important for people to learn is that sometimes telling the truth to make yourself feel better is a selfish act and it doesn't always really concern the other person. It's more about you. Cause if you were thinking about how the other person feels or like how the other person would feel to hear that information or whether or not they really need to, like, what are you trying? I think the most important thing people need to ask is like, I think maybe Corey is more of a type of a person probably who asks like, what is my intention upon sharing this information versus like, I'm just going to share this information because I want to share this information. You know what I mean? It's like, Mm -hmm. what am I trying to do with this information that I have? Yeah. Intention's a great way to put it. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, sure. If you know something about someone, great. But is that really your business? First of all, second of all, like if it is your business or isn't your business, like, do you want to make it your business? Like, is it worth it? Like, and it's just like, and and when, if you do decide, is it worth it? How is it going to make the other person feel? Like, do you think that if, when they make, when it, when you make them feel like crap, how do you think that will affect your relationship? Are you okay with that? Can you live with that, your relationship getting affected in that way? Can it come back from that? Do you know? Do you even care? See, these are things that you should be thinking about. When you're interacting with other people, because all relationships are a relationship, not just your main primary romantic relationship, even your friendships, your parental relationships, your familial relationships, your business relationships, they're all relationships. You have to foster them all. You can't just focus on trying to make your romantic relationship good. Mm-hmm. not easy it's hard work for all of us it is hard and each each relationship requires something different and that's why it's hard and that's why most people like you know can't have healthy relationships it's tough mm-hmm. it's a lot of hard work oh okay and then we kind of get this information where Corey says like i want you to know that i really liked you it really hurt my feelings blah 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 and then shohei goes can i talk frankly and then he goes i really liked you And I was really interested in you. And I thought, she's really great. She's really charming. She's really attractive. She's really appealing. There's something about Corey that really draws me in. And she says, thank you, which is so charming, by the way, the way she Mm -hmm. thinks him. I thought it was so cute where she thinks him, like how he was super interested in her, which I felt like the panelists all commented how everything they say here is all past tense, too. And they're very careful about making sure they say it in the past tense. Like, I like you. And like, I was interested. Yeah, was interested, like it's past tense. Then Shohei kind of goes, I was really interested in you, blah, blah, blah. But you know how we have a mutual friend? And she's like, yeah. And he goes, well, he told me that you are engaged. And we're like, wait, what? And then she's like, yeah, Kenny told me about that. And I was like, what? How have we 
never heard about this. I know. <laughs> and then he goes, yeah. And so I thought, like, wow, like, I'm not surprised. She would have someone. Like, of course she would. And she's amazing. It's not like I work or anything and blah, blah, blah and all the all these things. So he was just like, so I kind of just figured, like, you know, you weren't into it. And I need to stop because everyone told me, like, I need to stop. And he's like, but I was actually really into you. And, you know, I I just I don't know what happened. He's just like, I kind of felt like, oh, like, I shouldn't like her then. And then she goes, wow, okay. She's like, so she's like, I'm going to tell you what happened. She's like, so I had a dude who was working for me and I was dating someone. We were together until the new year and we did break up. And she's like, but like, you know, I have a hard, he worked for me. He was my manager and he basically helped. She said, I have a really hard time saying no or negotiating work deals. So he basically did all of my management and he was my window to basically, he was like my concierge point person, manager, agent to kind of figure out all of that and he would arrange anything and we haven't physically seen each other since we broke up but we were in contact because he was managing my work so I would like email him if I had a job and I'd be like hey can you do this out or the other so when I heard from Kenny that people and he was like and she said you know and we're not in high school anymore or college where we're not going to announce to everyone like we are together and like you know, when we break up, we're not going to announce everyone like, we are broken mm-hmm. up, which I totally agree with. I agree. It's their personal life. It's their personal business. It's so random. Like, it is really random to have to announce like, hi, I'm no longer in a relationship. Like, it's really weird because um, it doesn't really work that way when you're an adult always. So she says like, it never really was like official like that. So she's like, so like from the outer public like she's like I can see how some people might not think that well they might misinterpret what's going on with between us and so she says but because I liked you so much Shohei I asked him to step down as my manager and now I do everything myself which I was like wow she liked Shohei enough to fire her manager who doesn't She's not even dating because she found out that other people were saying that it looks weird and were, like, making rumors about it. And I was like, that's interesting. Yeah, so she's like, I need to move on from this. Yeah. So she was like, and then he apologized, and she's like, I feel really bad, like, that I kind of forced you into, like, firing someone, like, and made your life a little tougher. And she's just like, no, she's like, it's fine. Like, she probably need to do it at some point anyway. It's probably easier to do it now than later. And Shohei, and then so she goes, you know, she's like, yeah. And she's like, and also, like, on my side, I actually heard that you have a girlfriend. So everyone was telling me to not mess with you because that's just not a good idea and it's not a good look. And then he goes, a girlfriend? He's like, I don't have a girlfriend. He's like, I'm a lot, but I don't have a girlfriend. (laughs) And I'm like, and then Kaylin, tell everyone what freaking Kaori says next because I can't say it. <laughs> she asks him out. I know. I can't. I literally was like, was that not a huge, like, F boy red flag? Like, to me, that was a huge F boy red flag. Like, after you just admit that, I'm like, yeah, okay, I would not want to waste my time with you unless that's what you're looking for, unless that's what she's looking for. I don't think it is. Sure, he has like a Scorpio communication <laughs> or something. I think I'm pretty sure it is. It's just, that's such a Scorpio thing to say. I can't. Like it's just. It's, yeah. yeah, I'm having a lot of sex and a lot of girls down. 
but I don't have a girlfriend. I was like, I literally just rolled my eyes and I was like, oh my God. And like, so that's the last thing that happens on the show before it cuts out. And all the commentary of the panelists, maybe we'll insert that in now as like another insert. あ、なんで、なんで、なんで、なんで、なんで、なんで、なんで、なんで、なんで、なんで、なんで、なんで、なんで、なんで、なんで、なんで、なんで、なんで、なんで、なんで、なんで、なんで、なんで、なんで、な
So then Amika says her and her ex would go to the beach a lot or to the ocean a lot and she wants to go. Pepe says that he would love to go to the ocean and then <laughs> Haruka and Cory both go, it's too hot. Like at the exact same yep. time. They're like, why? They're like, okay, not right now. At some point they'll go to the ocean. But in my mind, I'm like, well, if it's really hot, like, doesn't going to the ocean sound perfect? Yeah, like, <laughs> inside the water. I'm like, those people who don't go in the water. That's I true. used to be one of those people. It depends on what body of water I'm going into, you know, because I don't want to get eaten by a shark. Okay. Like, that's my, I don't trust, I don't, I, I have too much anxiety. <laughs> like, one time I was, I was, I was swimming in Hawaii to like this dock that's not even that far. It's like one of those square docks that they have in the middle of the ocean sometimes that you can do jumps off of or mm-hmm. whatever. It's not that it. far out, but like, I, I was swimming towards it and then, I got so close to the platform and then I started freaking out because <laughs> I couldn't see below and it was really dark that day. You're like, shark! It was late, and I started freaking out and I started panicking and I was like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. And I looked back at the ocean and my friend was looking at me panicking, was like, swim to the dock. And I was like, I can't, I can't, I can't. And they're like, you can do it. Do you just and stay I, in the water panicking? You'd be safer on the dock. I know. I just swim towards the freaking dock. And I'm like, panicking makes me look more like a seal, which would attract an actual shark to me. Like, right. but yeah, no, I was fine. I got on the dock and she took pictures of me. And like, I have them. They're pretty funny. And there's a video of me like jumping into the ocean after and then like freaking out again. <laughs> it's just really <laughs> hilarious now i'm fine i went with my ex we went on like this boat in the lake and we got one of those like tube things that you like put on a rope on the back and you Mm -hmm. like hang on it and then you like try to flip the other person off as you like speed around Mm -hmm. i don't know what they're called but like tubing but it's like flat it's not like a tube but you're like hang on it anyway it is a tube though it's tubing and i got to go on it and i got to drive it and it was so fun it was really fun and that was the last time I was in the ocean. It was super... Well, it's not the ocean. It was a lake. Lakes are different. I'm a yeah, lake in was... years. Once I moved, like, near the beach, I haven't been to a lake in yeah. a while. Yeah, beaches are different. Anyway, what kind of first day would be ideal for you? I guess we'll do that, and then we'll be done. Yeah, so I think it kind of depends on the season, you know? And also where I'm at. Not to be, like, <laughs> contextual. <laughs> But, you know, like, when I was in San Diego, like, I would have really enjoyed just, like, a lunch date by the beach or, like, a picnic or something. But then I also really enjoy, like, fun activity type things. So, like, if we went bowling or, like, bike riding or hiking, something like that where we could have, like, some kind of activity. Activities are nice because they break break it up. And they give you something to talk about. Yeah, exactly. Like, I love hiking. Like, I'm just a really, like, active person. And so, like, hiking or bike riding is just, like, super, super fun and, like, would really enjoy that as a date. But also, like, a first, first date when you're first getting to know someone, just, like, a casual, just, like, picnic or, like, lunch or something just to, like, sit and talk and, like, initially get to know each other, I think it's important. So, I would say, like, my active dates, I'll save for, like, you know, day, like, two or three or on. That's a cute First date, I'd say probably, like, just, like, walking around or eating and just kind of getting to know someone. Yeah, I think that's a good, that's a really good one. I, because I always like it, I want it to, because activities, I want it to be an activity that's fun, but then if it's a first date, it's always good to have a second date, because then it's okay, like, if you're not able to talk, like, all the time, like, because if you're hiking, Mm -hmm. or if you're biking, like, Mm -hmm. by nature, you might not always be, like, 
side by side or whatever, depending on yeah. what trail you are on or like whatever you're doing or, you know, what's around you or like now social distancing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think for a second date, it's good because like if you get like that stuff out of the way first, like especially now in like L.A., there's like I think I like fun stuff too. like maybe I loved um Shohei and Haruka's golfing golf range date. Oh, yeah. That would be a really cute date. I would like that. I like there's really good dates from last season that I really liked too. But uh, in LA, there's this thing I've always wanted to do, which is like the axe throwing. Oh, me too. I've always wanted to do that. There's also this place here that I forgot what it's called, but they did it on Vanderpump Rules as well. And I think on one of the housewives, but it's a place where you go and they have old stuff, like old, like technology or like well, not technology, old, like, well, I mean, technically, yes, but like old computers and like, mm you know old like glasses and plates and like things you could break and then you get you pay for like 30 minutes and like you pay for how many how much stuff you can break inside mm-hmm. or like what level of stuff and then you go for like 20 minutes and you can break whatever you want and then if you run out like you can ask for more stuff to break and then you can go and you can break it you've never heard of this but i want this in my life you just smash everything in the room and you can go with your friends so it's just basically like a place to take all your aggression out i really want to do this that would be really fun. I feel like I don't know if that's like a good date date, but like, I don't know. It would be fun if you could see like how it would be a fun way if you feel comfortable, if that person that you're going out with would be interested in something like that. Yeah. It would be a fun thing to be like, how many things can you break? And you could do a contest and whoever wins like has to buy the other person dinner. Like a little game, a little bet. Yeah, that's cute. Or I don't know. I just like weird stuff like that. I love mini golf. Like, yeah, but I like the picnic thing. I think that's cute. I like I like before you can get to know people, but there's some something involved like a board game or I don't know just like walking around getting ice cream like mm-hmm. taking my dog for a walk I've always I've done that before where I've like I've gone on a walk with my dogs <laughs> well mostly because like the boy would like the person not necessarily just a boy but like he, like the person would ask me like let's go with like let's go for a walk like oh can you bring your dogs I'm like okay yeah, because dogs are just gonna find like I don't know yeah. yeah I don't necessarily always let people meet my dogs off the bat but I'm trying to think of like what if I like museums as a first date to be honest like I like going to I I, I really like museums as a first date I've done them a, a few times I like when boys or boy or girl I guess would suggest like a date in a museum because like it's fun usually like there are a lot of museums like because they're typically free so it's a nice cheap date and usually if they have like Wednesday night or Thursday night, sometimes certain nights they'll do like late night museum nights where they'll open the museum out like late or they'll have like special dinner events or like a wine event. And a, a lot of the time I when I used to live in Boston, I lived right by one of the big museums out there and they're on Wednesday nights, they would have like wine night like happy hour like late night happy hour at the little cafe in the museum because almost all museums have a little cafe and cafe museum cafes have the best food and so we just like go get like a glass of wine and like get a meal in the cafe at the museum which is usually like not super loud either and there's usually not super crowded so it's kind of nice and also in the museums like in certain rooms when they're not super crowded there are benches where you can sit down so it's like nice to sit and like chat quietly bookstores I think my favorite first date was this boy he took me to lunch he took me to like the Olive Garden which is really cute and then he took me to a book a used bookstore that had one of those like owl post book things where they wrap up different books and like oh, it tells yeah. you 
on the cover like what certain things this book has and then you pick it and it's like a surprise when you open it what the book is inside I love those yeah and that was the first time I ever saw that and he took me there because he knew I liked Harry Potter and then after that he took me to a comic shop and we like looked at comics and like hung out and like took photos and then we got ice cream and then we went back and watched Harry Potter I think that's literally a dream date. It was such a good, such a good date. And then we watched, I think we watched one of the DC Comics, like, animated Batman movies. I think mm. it was, like, the, one of the, the ones that was, like, the dark one. It was, like, Jack the Ripper or something. It was, like, the Victorian England version of, like, Dark Batman. It was so good. I remember that's watching that. Perfect like, date. It was such a good date. I think that's, like, my top date maybe thus far but that's the thing it's like that is we were like giving Haruka earlier but I mean that date the reason why it was so good was because it was really tailored to me but it was just it was fun because he was really into comics and stuff and so like that date was really good for the both of us but it was it was such a fun date but I like it is the thoughtfulness I guess like when they think of something that not just you would enjoy, but you would both enjoy. And they do that. I just, I loved that date. I thought it was really thoughtful. And I don't know. It was like, because I also my love language is acts of service and quality time. So it's like, it hits two of my top. Both in one. <laughs> so it's just, it was very like, it was very thoughtful. And I really liked it. And I was kind of a douche when we stopped hanging out. I just like stopped hanging out with him. I thought, he, well, honestly, yeah. like. What happened was one, one the second t- like the time after we hung out this like after this time that I'm telling you about we hung out another time and I felt really nauseous like I ate something I think and it was like really not sitting well in my stomach and I was like laying on the couch behind him and he was sitting in the chair in front of me and he was texting someone and I saw him like write all these little like heart emojis and I was like really annoyed because back then I was annoyed by things like that and I was like really nauseous and I was just like I want to leave but like I, I would vomit in the lift so I can't <laughs> and like I just felt so uncomfortable and then I kind of internalized that and like at the time I was just not going at the time I was not going through I was going through some tough stuff personally so I and emotionally so I just I kind of wasn't in a good headspace and recently we talked him and I again and he was like, what was what was up with you? Like, why did you stop talking to me? And I was like, I thought you weren't into me. And he was like, why? I never said that I wasn't into you. I was like, super into you. And I was like, oh, I don't know. I just like thought you weren't into me. Like, he was like, what? And I was like, I don't know. And he was like, so you stopped talking to me. And I was like, I know. I was a f- girl. I was a f- I apologized. I was like, I'm sorry. That was really douchey of me. I think I apologized. I hope I apologized. I'm pretty sure I apologized. Oh, wow. Anyway, past Michelle was also kind of a girl. So Michelle is current. Michelle is owning that. I think that would be a cute date. Recently, I I picked what my my I think my perfect date would be. I know we're going so long, but I'm just going to say it. I think this is how my perfect Saturday date would be. Wake up a little late, go to like a local coffee shop, get some like pastries and like tea, tea latte. If I'm picking specifically chai with oat milk and honey and some like croissants or whatever and then we go on a picnic and we go thrifting or vinyl record shopping obviously vintage and then we go home and then we like put on some records and then we take a bath with like candles and then 
I don't know if this is like a first date date. This is probably like a third date, honestly. Then with like a nice floral bath bomb, like something cute and like adorable. Then at night we go on like a night drive, but they drive because I don't drive. And then we listen to like good music. In my dream, it's like raining a little bit and a little cloudy. And there's like mostly a full moon, but it's not a complete full moon. Yeah. Wow, this is very specific. I know. You, like, have to plan this on, like, the perfect day. It's the perfect day. Like, what would be my perfect day? And, like, that it. that was my perfect Saturday. It's a Saturday. I feel like Sunday would be more, like, movie on a projector. Yeah. In, like, a cozy, like, floor, makeshift floor blanket pillow fort. Yeah, and, like, Sunday wouldn't be a full day kind no, of day because you're, like, getting ready for the work week. But, like, Saturday would be a good full day day. Saturday would be a full day. Yeah. Yeah. For- for sure. I felt like I needed, and I felt like it's enough activity for a Saturday because on Sunday I don't want to be doing that much activity, but it's been Friday. So like I kind of want to go out and like do something outside. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't normally always go to like a coffee shop to get stuff. Like, you know, I would just make mm-hmm. tea at my house, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just felt like, you know, sometimes you should go out and get your tea because it's nice. You have a splurge on yourself and then also it's nice to have it like made for you sometimes. And exactly. And always go to a nice, cute, independent local tea shop or coffee shop because that's where all the fun stuff is at. That's where we're at. Corey didn't tell us her ideal first date because Corey doesn't tell us anything. <laughs> anyway she didn't tell us this time but she did tell us that she wants to still hook up with Shohei or hang out with him or whatever it is so that's where we're at and next week we're gonna find out more hopefully there will be an actual date next week I'd love a date now Pepe knows what the girls want to do he knows their secrets well, he so knows- now let's see if he puts it into action he knows that, that Haruka wants something specifically tailored to her and he knows that Amika wants to go to the beach so if I'm going to guess I'm going to guess that he and Amika are going to go to the beach and wait you've already watched it no make it you're not allowed to make predictions you've already watched all this damn it I'm just going off of what they said okay I'm like no 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 you don't get to make predictions <laughs> make the predictions okay so do you think they're going to go to the beach? I mean, if he is going to go on a date, he's going to go on one of the ones that they mentioned. I think they're going to go to the beach. <laughs> I think when someone tells you explicitly they want to go somewhere, you take them there. That's it's true. 101 of dating. Like, it's That's kind true. of stupid if someone's like, I want to go to the beach, and they take you to, like, the mountains. And you're That's like, true. That's not what I asked for. I'm I like, That's, I specifically told you what I wanted. Yeah. Yeah. But. If you, when you make predictions, I start to think that <laughs> you're secretly telling me what's going to happen. I'm trying, when I go through these episodes, <laughs> I really try to just live in the episode. Okay. I'm, I literally, I, I said, like, when I said that, like, I think they're going to go to the beach. I wasn't even thinking about the future. I was just like, I think they're going to go to the beach because she said I want to go. You said that. Okay. <laughs> Whether or not they go to the beach has yet to be seen. <laughs> We'll find out later. Okay, so what do you and what do you think about the other stuff? The other two? What do you think he's gonna do with them? Well, I don't really think that he'll go on a date with everyone. Okay. I mean, I guess he could, but do you think Emika will go on a date with everyone? Yes, because I feel like she still has a lot <laughs> more I don't know, actually. It's really time consuming. <laughs> also, yeah. she might actually want to go out with everyone. But Pepe, Pepe also come for story. So, I mean, story, if you're coming for story and not for actual love, I don't know. Good question. We're going to find yeah. out next week. 
I guess. Or start to, anyway. Or start to. <laughs> Till then, you can find us on social media, as always. So, Caitlin, why don't you tell the listeners where they can find you on social media? You guys can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at Big Screen Books. And then um, I have two websites that are still in the works. I know I always plug them and they're not ready yet. I'm sorry. I'm busy. No, it's okay. Um, but it's and then Big Screen Books with two S's at the end, uh, .com. It doesn't matter because podcasts are evergreen. So even though there are people who are listening week by week, there might be people who discover this a couple years from now. And that's true. In a couple years, your website, it might not even be the same name of your website until in three or four years, but it could be. So for that, it could time, be. And if you, you need it to be in here, follow me, then yeah. you'll know what it is at some point. Exactly. Yeah. So follow, follow you at Big Screen Books and your website, Big Screen Books dot com has two s's this is yep okay and for me you can find me on social media at tediously underscore brief on instagram twitter tiktok and you can find my bookstagram where i talk about my books and my comics and all those film and fandom things and travel on traveling book nerds on instagram and you can find tara stout all over instagram and all over instagram (laughs) And Twitter and all the social media as at Tara Stout. I also didn't write up talk about my my website, traviamento.com. We'll link it. It's also up in the description as our, you know, host for the show. But that's where I'm going to be launching. My website will be launching on May 26th on my birthday. And it will also be launching in conjunction with my online print shop, my release for my Lightroom presets. And all that jazz. So that'll be linked. And it's exciting. Hopefully all of my stuff will be ready in time. You'll find out when you listen to this. Because it'll be pretty close to when this comes out. (laughs) Yes, our Patreon is patreon.com slash out, Where you can find all of our extra content. Our charts of present and past cast members. Sorting present and past cast members into their their Hogwarts houses. Non-Terrace House pop culture related content. Like our Read, Watch, Listen. And our Quarantine and Chill. And we release our mini-sodes early there. And we also have amazing extra perks like monthly care packages of cute things leading to Terrace House. We have Google Hangs and Netflix Watch Parties and just really awesome stuff. So you can go check it out at patreon.com slash out. And yeah, until then, you can just, you know, I think that's it. That's it. Just hang out, be safe, and watch Terrace House with us. Watch Terrace House and and stay sane. And yeah, don't be a racist. Like always. We love it when you're not a racist. Don't do that. Don't do that. (laughs) That got super serious. Like normally I'm always like really cute about it. And like I'm just like. (laughs) But you just went there. You just I just went went for it this week because I was just like I'm tired. And I'm sure everyone's tired. And we're all just like let's not sugarcoat it this week. (laughs) (laughs) anyway have a great time and yeah we'll still be here in quarantine for a few more months yeah still still here we can do it we got this (sighs) love you guys and see you again soon bye bye ciao 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 molto bene
Hi, everyone. This is Jack again, just popping in to let you know where you can find us and listen to us on the interwebs. So like every podcast in the world, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, but you can also find us on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, CastBox, Podchaser, and so many others. Whatever your favorite provider is, you will be able to find Terrorist Out Podcast. If there is somewhere that we are not, please be sure to email us and let us know so we can submit and get us on there because we want to cover all of the spots. And you can find us at terroristout at gmail.com. And while you are going down the list of all of these wonderful distribution platforms for Terrorist Out, be sure to head on over to Apple Podcasts slash iTunes to rate, review, subscribe, let us know what you think of the show thus far. We absolutely would appreciate it. And thank you so much for taking the time. And be sure to DM us your comments, questions, and opinions over on the Twitter and Instagram at Terrorist Out. <laughs>